A warm GM or GM to you, dear listener. Welcome to Solana Cove. This is your host, Louis. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with Ori from Orca. Orca is the friendliest AMM on Solana and much, much more. In this conversation, we dive into how she got into crypto, how Orca got started and the team formed, and then we chat about some big news she came on the show to share. Stick around and listen through because Ori drops a ton of alpha about what the Orca team has been up to, and it's safe to say they've been very, very busy. It was an honor to have Ori on, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, it's my great pleasure to welcome Ori from Orca onto the podcast today. Welcome, Ori. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to chat about all the exciting new things coming out for Orca soon. But before we dive into some some new additional info coming out, uh, I'd love to hear a bit about your background as well as uh, how your journey has been coming into crypto so far. Yeah, of course. So my background is originally more traditional tech. I studied computer science at Stanford as well as human computer action where I was there. And that's really dovetailed naturally into a career first as a software engineer at a number of startups, starting at Coursera, uh, followed by actually working as an interaction designer. That's really designed for everything digital at IDEO in Tokyo, so working across the Asia region. And it was almost an accident that I met my co-founder, Yutaro, and really just stumbled into crypto. He's been in crypto for, for the past couple of years, and we basically, during COVID, just decided to start hacking on projects together. And so the conversation really was something like, hey, like, we're bored, you feel like building something? And he's like, yeah, how about crypto? And I was like, eh, I don't know anything about that, but I guess it sounds like something to look into, and then it kind of all blossomed into here. And I've heard elsewhere that what you were initially working on was something on Ethereum to do with like a very much a customer facing product. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you're actually going for something that's even more to perhaps use the, uh, the slang normie facing than what we're doing now. Uh, so it was actually a high interest savings app which was originally built on top of Aave. And so the idea is that we would provide a really like simple, friendly, and easy to use introduction to for people who are interested in, I think, the high yields that are available on DeFi, but in a way that is much less likely than perhaps the, the average to intimidate and to cause people to lose their funds. Yeah, I've often wondered about that kind of product because it seems as if the market is wide open for it. And yet there's so many pitfalls around as people get into crypto. Uh, there's so many different things that they need to learn about how to protect themselves and keep their assets safe. Uh, so somehow, I mean, it seems like it's a huge opportunity for whoever can, can, can nail it, but to provide that really straightforward onboarding uh, it will, will definitely be huge. Um, but needless to say, after you hacked around on that for a little while, uh, you made your way to Solana and you started Orca. Can you tell us a bit about how Orca came together? Absolutely. So it really came when we were actually finishing up the MVP of Wallaroo, which is that, that app that we were building on Ethereum. The idea really was to just get an MVP out there. And so we actually did get a private beta with users in there. But that's around when DeFi summer was happening and the gas costs were just spiking and going crazy. So just from the beginning of building our project to the end of that eight weeks, we quickly realized that this wasn't quite the right time yet. We were a little bit early for this idea. 
And that's around the same time that actually Utaro took notice of SBF and um, really everyone at Alameda starting to pay attention to Solana and invest in Solana. And so that was really a signal for us. We were already looking into the various layer twos available as well as different L1 solutions. And after looking into Solana a little bit more, reading the white paper and talking to the team, we very quickly became convinced that Solana could really grow into its own thriving ecosystem with a large community of developers. And from there, how has the journey been in terms of building out the team? Was it a two-person two team for quite a long time, or were you quickly starting to onboard other people into the team? It was a two-person initiative for really the first, I don't know, at least four or five months of Orca's existence. So we really came from just having the idea uh, for an AMM to really like designing what that would look like. And we're doing user research with folks about basically their experiences using AMMs on Ethereum. And some of those folks are actually whales on Orca today. So that's actually been a pretty cool transition. Things started to change a bit after we launched in February and then actually started to work with some friends part-time who are contributing on the software side. Uh, two of those friends are actually either currently or soon going to be full-time members of the Orca team. So it's really kind of grown organically from there. Uh, really just kind of like friends and contacts, taking interest in Orca, paying attention to Orca. And I'm so grateful that the team has grown from two to almost 10 today. Uh, really through a combination of basically like friends who are already interested and then even community members taking interest in and saying that they want to be a part of Orca. I'm curious, like I'm talking to you, I think at about 24 hours after we had this chain restart on Solana. I'm curious to get the angle from someone who's building it and has an actual, like a highly used product. What was your experience um, behind the scenes I would say that things are actually relatively peaceful on the Orca side. Quickly, it really started with a couple of users reporting that they couldn't do X, Y, or Z on Orca. And then once it came out that Solana put this public announcement that there were some, some chain issues, I think people pretty much quickly realized that nothing on Solana was really going to work until that was resolved. And so the, the Discord and Telegram was actually relatively quiet. On our end, actually, I think my biggest takeaway is that we should have a way in the UI directly to communicate more directly with our users. Something that's actually bothered me for a long time about DeFi is the way that we rely on Twitter to really communicate with the community. And that's something that breaks down when you realize that, first of all, there's so much happening on Twitter that you can't necessarily expect people to, to see what's happening with your product specifically. And also that it kind of blocks people out in geographic regions where Twitter isn't that popular. And so that's actually been a reason for us to come back and reprioritize something that I've been wanting to work on for a while, which is a way of really sharing these important notifications and updates in the Orca UI directly. Yeah, that's true. I was also thinking about that uh, in the last couple of days. We, we really trust a lot Twitter and Discord mm -hmm. to get the, the proper URLs to different websites. And like we trust the information in those. And even if it is the legitimate one, I was thinking like what happens if, you know, someone is able to get control of like a project uh, Twitter and then they can just change the, the URL and then like it's, it, w it would be pretty devastating for I think a lot of users. So it would be cool to I think uh, have... Yeah, like a direct channel that isn't going through some kind of centralized service. I think we haven't we haven't said it yet. So in case someone is is not familiar with Orca, do you want to give the short pitch on what Orca is and maybe what sets it apart from 
other AMMs on Solana? Yeah, of course. So Orca is an AMM on Solana, and we really want it to be your go-to AMM on Solana. Already, I think users who have actually tried out Orca really love it. And part of the reason is that we've designed it to really be a delightful experience. Something that, especially if you're coming from the Ethereum world, you can just start using and be like, wow, that was so fast. And wow, that was actually like really pleasant because we've put a lot of thought into all these little details that make it just simply easier to use than, than what you might be used to. And so that's things like our, our fair price indicator, which we talk about a lot, which automatically compares the price to price trackers, as well as being able to see all your balances directly in the UI so you don't need to be jumping back and forth between a mobile wallet. That's really just the beginning. In the future, we plan to, I should say, and, and are currently building a more capital efficient version of Orca. And so really what we're aiming for there is to have the best rates in the entire Solana ecosystem as well. So our vision is really that combination of user friendliness, capital efficiency, and then also composability so that anyone in the Solana ecosystem can build on top of Orca. Yeah, definitely the, the ease of use was what was very attractive to me when I first came across Orca. I think I was first playing with Radium and then Orca, mm -hmm. and it was pretty clear immediately that there was some, some bits and pieces on Orca that were just something that I hadn't experienced also swapping on other chains like, like Ethereum or Polygon. Okay, so ease of use and sort of this accessible, um, accessible design. And then you also said, you know, highly capital efficient. If we're thinking about what sets Orca apart. So you started with the design and then you said coming sort of down the pipeline sometime soon will be more capital efficiency. Can you speak a bit about why that piece is important? Do you feel like you've nailed the UI now and or the UX now and, and you're moving on to sort of a new challenge or is, is design going to continue to be an important part of how you're sort of updating the, the, the platform? All of these are important. Part of that is because an AMM depends really on these higher liquidity driving better rates, which creates ultimately more trading activity and then as a flywheel rewards these liquidity providers, right? And so I think part of what better design creates is really a reason for people to use Orca and especially like less price sensitive users to use Orca, which really contributes to that flywheel. The other side of it is actually building a more effective AMM. And that's simply because, well, really there's no reason not to, right? Like if, if we think about where the ecosystem is heading five years from now, if it's possible to execute trades on an AMM that basically provides better rates with less liquidity, there's no reason someone would not do it. And so we strongly believe that that's where AMMs as a whole are headed. Um, but however, just any smart contract and just any UI on top of that smart contract won't do for that, right? We're kind of here with the Solana ecosystem today really being mostly concepts ported over from Ethereum and in some cases even entire like UIs ported over from Ethereum. Maybe not literally ported, but the front ends in some cases are. There's still such a long way to go in terms of actual innovation. And we, I'm really excited to see what the superior performance of Solana unlocks. And that's really the, the place that we're going to be playing with here at, at Orca, is actually looking at how do we actually create this more efficient AMM that takes advantage of the fact that it's really easy to move around your liquidity and pairing that with 
our focus on UX to provide a an experience which is unlike any that we've seen before. I think where it's both very technologically sophisticated and capital efficient, but also incredibly easy to use. Yeah, I think any Orca users will be excited to hear that. I know I am. I, whenever the the token pair is available in Orca, then it's it's generally my go-to place to swap. Um, and and it just makes sense. You can see it in the industry in general. I think. I just noticed uh, Uniswap released some news about the, the, some router that they've released, which is also making things more efficient. So it's really cool to see like a, a really strong focus on, yeah, getting the absolute maximum efficiency out of these swaps uh, and making this, the, like this AMM concept kind of taking it to the next level. There's some other sort of innovative parts of Orca though. And one of them, I would say, is the token itself. Uh, I was pretty pleased as an LP to receive some of the airdrop not too long ago. Do you want to share a bit about how you approached doing a fair launch um, and how you approached the airdrop and maybe speak a bit about Orca as a token, sort of what your plans are for it for in the future? Of course. So I'm almost disappointed in some way that this is something that stands out for Orca or that feels innovative about Orca. But we are very proud that we committed to doing a fair launch from the beginning. As one of our early users, you might remember, maybe it was our second Medium post or so, saying that we weren't going to launch a token until we really felt like the product had proven its value and that we would only do so in a fair manner. And so the way that we interpreted fair launch is really meaning giving the community equal access to purchase the token when it's first released to the market. In other words, no pre-allocation to investors or to insiders. And so when we actually launched our token last month, we did so via retroactive distribution, an airdrop essentially, to existing traders and liquidity providers on the platform. Both traders who traded a cumulative total of at least a certain amount to basically ensure that they're actually actively using the platform as well as liquidity providers weighted based on their average USD value of liquidity provided over time. Is there plans for the, like in terms of the token, I know it's its main purpose is um, as, as a governance token and the idea is sort of gradually decentralizing the project over time. Is there any plans or ideas about extending the token to also be something that is maybe accruing value over time? So this is something that we're actually going to experiment with very soon. So I'm going to tease right now our upcoming roadmap, in particular a new product that we're going to be testing out called Rewards, which is essentially single-sided staking. That's something that people ask for all the time, of course, because if you hold Orca token, wouldn't you want to far more Orca with it? Uh, but we're trying to do so in a way that's very intentional, and that's why I'm saying experimenting. So it'll be short-term at first, basically allowing Orca holders to deposit their Orca into these reward vaults in order to earn more Orca over time. In the future, we may find other more effective or more innovative ways to use the Orca treasury, which is why we're not really committing to this being an eternal feature. Uh, but for now, I think it's a great way to basically reward these, these early users of the platform, which is why we call it rewards. Yeah, that's, that is very exciting. I can't wait to check that out. Speaking of the treasury, so you mentioned the treasury there. Uh, this was also, I mean, I recently voted. I think it was the first vote for Orca. So also an exciting uh, element of Orca is the commitment to sort of stepping above just crypto and actually trying to make a bigger impact. Yeah, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts uh, and 
kind of the reason why you you chose to go this road this route of um trying to make the make the platform really give back uh yeah love to hear about that sure so for those who aren't familiar our impact fund is actually a fund from which we donate basically some portion of trading fees uh, 0.0%, 1% of all trading fees on Orca to fight climate change. Currently, we're doing that at the end of every quarter, and we recently had our first, I'll call it a, a pseudo-governance vote, is like very high-level and simple governance vote, in which we had all Orca token holders basically able to vote on one of two marine conservation and climate change focused charities. And so we'll be donating all of the funds from launch of the actual ORCA token in early August through the end of the year to the selected nonprofit. And so our thinking there was really to embed this desire to have an impact and to do good as deeply into like the core of ORCA as possible. And so what that meant from my point of view is not doing these one-off donations, which I, I feel like often you see this with tech companies where it's kind of like this, oh, well, you know, we might be shipping things around the world and causing lots of emissions, but we just donated over here. Like, so let's pat ourselves on the back, right? Like, I think by embedding it into our actual fee distribution, this is something that anyone involved with Orca is a part of, and anyone who even trades on Orca can feel that they're contributing to. And so in that way, I feel like it's really part of our DNA. On top of that, it really fits into our brand, you know, Orca's brand as being very inspired by the ocean, but also being this like really friendly protocol that has really strong principles is something that I feel like we've done pretty well so far. Obviously, we're going to keep working on, but that, that, that I think helps us stand out. Yeah, it's definitely a good vibes feeling. I think for everyone involved, if you know that a certain a certain cut of your trading fees are actually going to something really good. And I imagine there's sort of multiple benefits there for you as, as a team as well. Um, it's probably quite exciting for team members to also work in a team where they really feel like their mission is, is having like a bigger impact as well. Yeah, that's actually precisely something that we saw when we hired uh, one of our engineers a couple of months ago. He was actually coming out of a big company, having done a couple of years there, and we were talking to him about the possibility of working at Orca. And we basically mentioned the impact fund, and he's like, oh, actually, like, thank God, I'm so excited to hear that, because I was also kind of thinking that like, in my next role, I really want to do something related to the environment and climate change, and I was torn between doing something in crypto and something that felt like it had this, this greater real-world impact. And so simply by, by doing this, I think we attract the kind of people who really care about seeing the bigger picture. Yeah, for sure. I mean, crypto it makes a pretty easy target in general, especially proof of work chains like Bitcoin uh, for being pretty environmentally unfriendly. And I would say that's a, one of the benefits which doesn't get spoken about too much uh, with Solana, that it is very comparably very efficient and, and sort of climate friendly. Um, and so, yeah, I, it makes sense to kind of pair something like the impact fund with, on a more sustainable chain. And I can really imagine that a lot of people would be attracted to work somewhere in a workplace like that. So moving on to um, another topic, which I don't have much info about, but uh, I'd love to hear more details from you. Yes, so we actually just announced this, and I'm super excited to have the opportunity to finally talk about it publicly. But we did just close our first fundraise. So as I mentioned, we were entirely bootstrapped at the beginning, but now is the time that we really feel that 
ORCA is really ready for the next step. And what we mean by that is sharing the news about ORCA to as many people as possible, as well as partnering with these really thoughtful and super experienced folks in this space who can help us make sure that ORCA is on the right direction to become the go-to AMM in the Solana ecosystem. And so, again, super excited to announce that we've raised $18 million, which will be in a round co-led by Polychain, uh, Three Arrows, and Placeholder, as well as a number of other funds, including Jump, Defiance, Coinbase Ventures, and Solana Capital, and Z Prime Ventures, or Z Prime Capital, sorry about that. So these, among a number of angel investors, will be joining our wider Orca family to help us develop this impactful AMM that we want to see become the, the go-to for the wider ecosystem. Wow, huge news. That's very exciting. I mean, as an Orca user, it's, it's really cool to hear that the, the mission has been given a lot more firepower. So yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, excited to see what's coming next. Uh, speaking of what's coming next, an item on the, on the list here called Fall Festival, which is something I don't have any details on, but I'd love to hear from you. What is Fall Festival? So Fall Festival is going to be Orca's celebration of this pivotal moment where we're starting to really open up and um, basically invite our community to celebrate along with us. And so that's going to be a combination of things. Uh, first of all, we're going to be launching a bunch of new pools and new tokens, as well as double dip pools. To go along with that, we're going to be giving out basically tons of Orca rewards, especially on these new pools. So for anyone basically participating in our yield farming or aqua farming program, it'll be a pretty good time. On top of that, we're also going to be releasing some new information about the roadmap, releasing some more information about the team, and then also running a bunch of campaigns that our community can participate in, which includes the opportunity to win a couple of collectibles. And so that's actually something we haven't touched upon yet, but I think that you're probably familiar with having won the, the Porpoise from participating in the Impact Fund vote. These are essentially our, our NFTs that we give out to users for participating in the wider Orca ecosystem. And so we'll actually be reviving our whale leaderboard, which is what we call basically this um, leaderboard that we run for top liquidity providers. Just during the two-week period of Fall Festival, the top 20 liquidity providers will be able to win a whale collectible, which you'll actually also be able to use in the upcoming rewards product that we already discussed to earn more Orca during Fall Festival. So that all kind of ties together, and I think this is going to be a really exciting time for any long-term users of Orca to basically, yeah, re reap the rewards of being a part of our community. Wow. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. Uh, it's interesting, like, just hearing, I mean, firstly, like, kudos to the team. It sounds like a ton of work went into that, and, and I absolutely can't, can't wait to sort of jump in. But also something that strikes me um, as you're sharing those details is, you know, something like the community is such an important part of, of every protocol. And these kind of events that really get the community together and excited, like this is such a, a, a key part, you know, as much as we talk about the tech and, you know, the to like the token and maybe some the ethics underneath, like these kind of community events and and. Yeah, opportunities to get everyone together. It's like such a such a key part of I think the the success of any protocol. So yeah, really excited to hear about this uh, fall festival and looking forward to take part. Um, I'm not sure if you dropped a date there, but did you mention when it's starting? Yeah, so we're actually going to be launching it on September 23rd, 
I, I think the first day of fall is September 22nd, so it's perfect timing. And that will be running through October 6th, so essentially a two-week period. Yeah, awesome. I mean, as a big as a big fan of the double dip pools already, then it sounds like there's going to be lots to play with. Really cool. Sort of looking a bit further ahead, I think you already mentioned it um, a little bit with the community pools, but should we chat a bit about uh, the roadmap beyond the fall festival uh, and yeah, what, what's kind of coming down the pipeline at the team? Absolutely. So the next big initiative that I'm really excited for is our community listings. So that's really going to allow anyone to list any token and any pool on Orca. That's something that we've known we wanted to build for a long time, but we finally feel like is essentially the right time. The Solana ecosystem is obviously booming and there's lots of interest and the number of tokens is really spiking. And so whereas at first we took the approach of basically manually choosing which tokens to list in order to protect our community from scams, we've taken the time and I've actually spent much of the last like two or so weeks doing research and, and designing for this. So I feel pretty excited to have come up with what I feel is a good balance here of allowing anyone to list tokens, but also having an internal verification process such that by default, the tokens that you'll see for trading on Orca will be ultimately some list that probably at this point our, our business development lead Milan has taken a look at and making sure is legit. But there will also be the option to essentially show unverified tokens. So any token that anyone has submitted can still be traded on Orca for users who opt into that. And it'll be clearly labeled as such. And so we feel that this is like a pretty healthy balance starting out to enable this like Orca for everyone approach uh, that still protects the community. And and also is, is simple and easy to understand, unlike, I think, the, the token lists approach that you may see on, on other AMMs. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that my experience of swapping in general, especially when it's like permissionless pools, is it is almost always not a very nice experience. And yeah, particularly on some other uh, AMMs on Solana, I would say the, the permissionless experience is, is not super smooth. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see sort of what you come up there um, with in terms of the design. Can we speak a bit about, you mentioned earlier the, the single-sided staking. Um, so this is referred to as rewards. Do you want to just tell us a bit about, is this a temporary feature or is this something that you think would be kind of extending for much longer? At this point, we do consider it experimental, like I mentioned. And so what I mean by experimental is that we're going to release it for some limited period of time, possibly a few months, and use basically the treasury funds that have been earned up until this point for this feature. After that, we're going to evaluate, see what the reception is like, do some thinking and research about other possible ways to use the treasury fund and other possible ways to reward ORCA token holders, and really go from there. Um, also, I guess during the fall festival, I think what, what is going to be really exciting is allowing people to stake their collectibles because we do want them to feel like something that does reward these early users, have put in a lot of effort and put in a lot of time to, to Orca. And so I think in that way, rewards is also very flexible and that it's not only used for token holders. Just in case me or the listener is missing it there, are you saying that the collectibles, so the NFTs, will be able to be staked? That's exactly right, yeah. So you'll be able to stake your orca, and then there will also be separate pools in which you can stake your guppies, whales, killer whales, porpoises, starfish, and clownfish in order to earn more orca. 
Wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's something that an idea I haven't seen used too much. Uh, I think I saw it on a maybe somewhere on Binance, but this idea of using NFTs kind of as and I'm not saying that this is what Orca is doing, but I could see it happening. Um, that using NFTs as kind of like multipliers or for different effects um, on on a protocol. So yeah, really exciting to see that that the team is is kind of going in that direction. Orca in general has really nice sort of UX, and you can tell that a lot of thought goes into it. And I'd love to hear behind the scenes a little bit about your process towards that. Ideas come from everywhere. There's more of them than we can ever possibly triage or handle. But there are certain ones that come up again and again. Staking, for example, is a request that comes up again and again. There are also things that people don't explicitly ask for, but pain points that we hear about again and again. And so some combination of that generally makes its way onto our backlog. So in the very boring, you know, technical side of things, we use Asana to manage our product work. I'd say I'm essentially the product manager for, for all of Orca, taking in ideas, uh, listening to basically things that are going on in Telegram, taking ideas from random people who DM me, even though I may not respond, I still read your messages probably. <laughs> and then at some point there's usually an, an influx um, of enough that it makes it onto the backlog. Then more proactively when we're doing sprint planning for the quarter, it's really a game of trade-offs, right? There's, there's a zillion and one excellent ideas for ways to improve the Orca experience and only so many things that we can do. And there's also a huge range when it comes to how much engineering work something will take. And some of that just really depends on like arbitrary technical architecture decisions that we've made in the past. So there's some combination here of what do people most need and then also how much investment does it take from the team. And that's where Utaro and myself work very closely together, often with input from Milan, who, who runs our BD and our marketing, to determine what's going to be ultimately most beneficial for the community to prioritize at this time. And we, we all have slightly different opinions, but I think after having a, a logical decision, and I try to always sort of rank things by the matrix of urgency versus impact, taking those two factors into account helps us decide what we're going to prioritize in a given sprint, which then filters down to or, or a given quarter, which filters down into a given sprint. Yeah, handy details for the teams that are building on um, the Ignition Hackathon right now. Uh, take note how the pros are doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of dovetails nicely into the, uh, another question I wanted to ask you. As, as a builder on Solana, and we already spoke a little bit earlier about this this chain restart um, just just yesterday. But as a builder on Solana, what has your experience been so far in terms of the the minuses and the pluses? Solana is still very early, and yet we've seen that it's incredibly powerful. Is how I would start the conversation. Because it's early, like it's still mainnet beta, right? We, we don't expect things to be 100% smooth. And, and, and to some degree, that's why something like the chain restart doesn't actually bother me that much. And in some ways, I think people have seen that, sure, like the Solana network was down. It's, it's not an ideal event, but it actually recovered pretty quickly and, and things are feel quite normal now. And so I would say the downside of Solana is that it's early. And so there's some combination of, yes, things are going to go down from time to time 
probably, and there isn't as much infrastructure as, say, if you're working on top of Ethereum. Something that I miss dearly is having the ability to use something like the graph right now. It's not always easy to access historic data. When you have a block every 400 milliseconds, it's a lot harder to look up all the previous blocks over time. And so some things that users ask for that I would love to build, for example, I think having transaction history in Orca would be incredibly cool and like a great UX is actually very non-trivial to build on top of Solana. Just, there's so many blocks, like looking that stuff up is expensive and difficult at this point. And so I would say those are some of the minuses, but some of the pluses are really just the flip side of the coin. Like we're so early that being a builder in the space means that you really get to have an influence on the direction of the space as a whole. We've gotten to work very closely with the Solana team in our history, directly with the engineers, as well as I think put our, our foot out there showing that a protocol can have this great combination of focus on UX, care about the end user, good principles, and like excellent top quality engineering that can turn this like wild west of, of Solana into this super smooth and easy to use product. Yeah. So one one point that you mentioned was the being early in the chain restart. And I, I think actually the experience of the chain restart actually almost felt like bullish or exciting for me because for a couple of reasons. I mean, the first reason was I was I was monitoring the Discord where the validators were coordinating and I mean, to me, it was really strong evidence that Solana is actually very decentralized. There was no, there was no one that, who, that could just pull out the plug and put it back in again. Um, it was a, like a messy process, but you know, things did restart in the end. So that was kind of exciting to see, actually. And as much as it was like a very uncomfortable day for a lot of people, and you know, if 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 you had issues on that day, then um, definitely it was a tough day. But I don't know. Somehow it felt kind of positive to see how the community came together in like a very stressful period. Yeah, I can really relate to that and agree with that point of view. And I another way that I like to think about it is honestly, like anytime I try to do anything with any of my multiple bank accounts, there's like a 20% chance that's not going to work, right? Like one one day of downtime is, is not ideal. But honestly, my experience with Solana has already been way better than TradFi. Yeah, true. And also like one day of down, I mean, I think in six months, if the trajectory continues, people really, it's barely a blip on the radar. And, and as long as you kind of come back much stronger and much improved and you're constantly improving and getting better and better, then, um, I, I, yeah, it should, shouldn't be an issue. You're, I imagine, super absorbed in Orca, and I can hear how much work you, that you and the team have been putting in for Fall Festival, for the fundraise. But you must be still looking around here and there and you see things that aren't, as you said, it's early. There's things, there's bits and pieces missing. So if any, if anyone's listening and they want to make something for the next hackathon, could you share maybe any ideas that you have or, or pain points for you that you kind of wish you could work on that project, but you don't have the time to? Oh, so many. <laughs> I, I'm sure people are working on this. I mean, one, of course, I know people are working on this is that the graph-like protocol. Another is building better infrastructure around NFTs. I know everybody is in this right now and it's still shockingly unusable. <laughs> I, I personally, I would say, 
am incredibly passionate about and excited for this intersection of De DeFi and NFTs and game gaming or gamification. And honestly, like dealing with NFTs right now is still kind of a pain on Solana. Like there's sort of this extra infrastructure evolving with the extra metadata needed to list NFTs on a lot of these marketplaces. There also isn't really good handling for things like our collectibles, which aren't actually strictly NFTs in that our collectibles are fungible. So they're by definition not non-fungible, but they serve this, this role that people essentially think of as, as the NFT role of being something that you collect, which is why we call them collectibles. But because there's this assumption that NFTs are one for one, so to speak. There's this assumption that they have zero decimals and that you can just send one. So for example, on Phantom, we have the issue that you can't send like 15 starfish, which is something that we do sometimes as a thank you for users for, for example, participating in a design research interview. You can only send one at a time. And so there's all these little things which people may not think about when, when designing, but are these edge case use cases that are at this point still on the wayside. Yeah, for sure. Actually, when you mentioned the intersection between games and DeFi and NFTs, it strikes me that right now they seem like different things, but probably who knows when in three to five years, it will just be a game and we won't even speak about the fact that it has NFTs. Like, It will be assumed that there's items that can be used across different games um, and that they can actually be traded for real real money. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to that as, as things just get sort of tighter and tighter and um, more and more interoperable. Yeah, that's something I'd love to see come to fruition. Honestly, like little Grace 15 years ago would love nothing more than to imagine that someday I'm going to like just exist in the metaverse collecting NFTs. And, you know, I really think that that could be a possibility in another five to 10 years, maybe not even that far away. Yeah, I mean, I was chatting with Erwin from DeFi Land uh, pretty recently, and I, I think I said to him, like, the the idea when I was playing Rollercoaster Tycoon when I was young, <laughs> that, you know, you could actually play a game. tycoon game. Oh, wasn't it great? Um, that you could play a tycoon game and actually be trading real money is like something that you could have almost not imagined was possible. Um, so, I mean, I guess, yeah, looking ahead and seeing this this idea of, you know, games having NFTs and, and DeFi built in, and also, I mean, you worked on this app that it wasn't quite the right time, but probably it will be the right time pretty soon in terms of meeting the mass market. Do you have a feeling for when, when we will hit kind of a high level of adoption when, you know, your, like your grandma could be using an app on her iPhone to, to hook into um, Aave or, or Solend or, or what, you know, DeFi um, applications? In my opinion, the time when DeFi is ready for everyone, so to speak, is when everyone can use DeFi without having to worry about the details of managing private keys. <laughs> that I see as like the biggest challenge when I try to think about introducing someone like my, my grandma or even just my slightly not as techie friends to, to DeFi. Like there's the potential, there's this incredible risk, right, when it comes to managing your own tokens. And so I don't know what that looks like exactly. Like, is this some kind of biometric authentication solution? Is this some kind of insurance product? I don't claim to have the answer here, but that's something that I would love to see more experimentation with and strides towards is is that 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 step from, from C-Fi to DeFi. And maybe there's some C-DeFi 
in the middle. But ultimately, I, I don't think that most people are going to want to have the responsibility of being the sole owners of their tokens and, and backing those up. And in a world that's so digital and, and, and a space that's so digital, it's funny to me that we're still like writing things down on pieces of paper to protect our money. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It it seems like basically one of the biggest blockers towards much bigger adoption. It's just way too way too easy to lose your coins um, still. So and it's, it's, it's almost surprising how how little wallets have advanced in the last years. Uh, I think there is some cool stuff happening, I think with Argent on Ethereum with uh, like with Guardians, where you kind of have a kind of like a multi-sig uh, setup to, to recover your keys. Um, so this is pretty interesting, definitely worth keeping an eye on. And I mean, it's really cool with Solana, we have Phantom, the Phantom team working on some of these problems. And I think they're a very strong team in terms of UX. Um, so really excited to see what they can come up with as well as supposedly they're bringing out um, uh, mobile apps sometime soon. So yeah, that should be really interesting. I'm super excited for that as well. I'm really, really grateful to the Phantom team for, for creating this like best in class experience for the Solana ecosystem as a whole. I, I remember the early days of trying to only use Solid and, and that being a reason alone that I wouldn't necessarily try to bring people into Solana. And so I think that's something where the Solana ecosystem is very set up to have this super easy intro to DeFi. If people are using Phantom and Orca together, I, I think they're going to very quickly be convinced that, that this is an ecosystem they want to be a part of. Yeah, 100%, especially once there's stronger bridges and easier bridges coming in from different chains uh, and making it easier to actually get liquidity onto Solana, then it seems like a, a great place to be. Um, all right, Ori, I think we're just about coming up on time over here. Is there any other <clears throat> messages you'd like to share with, with the community? I guess one last thing I'd like to say is please try out Orca. Like if you, I, I'm guessing that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have, and if that's so, definitely appreciate that. But I think a lot of people who are stumbling across this for the first time might have heard of Orca. They're generally familiar with it but they haven't actually gone through the trouble of like going out and swapping. And I do think that that experience of completing your first swap on Orca is pretty magical. And if you can't tell from this podcast, we're really thinking actively about how to reward members of our community for, for being loyal to, well, loyal is maybe not the right word, but even just being active and enthusiastic about the protocol. And so I hope that you'll, you'll take the time to, to try it out and see for yourself. Yeah, can recommend it as well. It's a great community to, community to be a part of. Um, do you want to just share sort of how people can find out more about Orca? Absolutely. So you can go directly onto orca.so and then try out trading there. As I mentioned, very hopefully soon, we'll, we'll have some more direct channels via Orca itself. But you can also find us on Twitter, on Telegram, on Discord. Our handle basically everywhere is orca underscore so. I think we were the ones to, to pioneer this SO thing, which honestly is something that came to me because once we, we could not get orca.exchange or orca.finance or orca.fi or any of these others. And at some point I was like, what if it was so for Solana? And so it's been pretty cool for seeing other projects pick that up as well. Um, but yeah, I digress. Basically find us on these channels and we'd be very, very happy to hear from you. Yeah, actually, I want to digress as well because I love love that domain and I wish more teams would use that. Uh, it, it looks really, really good um, and it's kind of like a good little wink to the Solana users. 
Thanks so much. Yeah, I can't believe that we have a domain that's just six letters long. Pretty yeah, lucky. <laughs> yeah. All right, then um, thanks again, Ori, for coming on, on the show to share all these new details. Super excited for you and the team. Uh, and also really, really excited to sort of be along for the journey as well uh, and see what's coming out in, in the next few weeks. Thank you so much. It's been tons of fun chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app right now. For extra points, follow us on Twitter at Solana Cove. A reminder, anything said on Solana Cove is not financial or tax advice. Solana Cove is strictly educational and is not investment advice. Keep in mind, you and you alone are responsible for your assets and always do your own research.